Welcome to church. Seriously, it's already a doomsday. <laughs> guys, welcome to New Life. How many guys are excited to be here today? Come on. I love it. We've got the largest family we've ever had at the church right here. With social distancing, you know, you have to like separate his families. These guys are like, look, we're going to be a family all week long. We're going to ride in buses together, sweat together, drink out of each other's cups. We might as well sit together. I love it. I love it. Welcome, guys. Welcome to everybody online. Uh, welcome to all of those who are worshiping with us at our campuses. It's a great day. We're kicking off a new teaching series. We've just entitled it a very encouraging title, Doomsday. Doomsday Prepper. All right? Uh, I get it. That might not be the most encouraging title ever. All right? Uh, but it definitely got your attention, didn't it? And now you're wondering, what in the world is he going to say about this whole thing called Doomsday Prepper? That's the whole idea of a title. It just kind of like gets you, reels you in. And then we get to like deposit God's word into your heart. So get beyond the whole Doomsday thing. I know that Jesus brings hope. Amen? Amen. Okay, good. But with that said, back in 1947, 1947, there's a group of scientists that got together and they said, you know what? We're going to start this Doomsday Clock. You guys heard about the Doomsday Clock? 1947. It started with this whole idea that they would try to give us a better awareness of when the end of the world might come. Like, how close are we to this ultimate doomsday event that could just wipe out humanity on Earth? And, you know, it was, it was starting at nuclear weapons, the whole works. And I think it started somewhere around the you know, anywhere from five to eight minutes to midnight is kind of where the thing started. Like, whoa, there's an urgency. We're not talking about hours to midnight. It was minutes to midnight. And through, through those years, it's, it's gone all the way to 17 minutes at times, all right, down to something like we're going to talk about for a brief second. That's the shortest it's ever been. But since 1947, they've changed the hands on the clock 24 times. The things I want to bring to your attention is that out of those 24 times, 10 of them have come in the last 20 years. Meaning this, that from a non-biblical worldview, from a humanist worldview, there is an urgency and an understanding that, that, you know, without even the Bible, that we live in a time where it's like the world could come to an end at any moment. In fact, in January of 2020, before the whole pandemic ever kicked off, they, they changed the hands on the doomsday clock to represent the shortest time it's ever represented in all of humanity, declaring that this is our most vulnerable moment. They moved it to 100 seconds. Now, this is just an illustration. I'm not preaching about the doomsday clock. But I think it's very important to understand that even through the, the lens of a non-biblical lens, there is this sense that we are in a, a time period where it's as if the world could come to an end. Be ready for the doomsday, basically. Have you guys ever watched the show, The Doomsday Prepper Show? You guys watch that? Come on, don't be ashamed. Don't be ashamed. Go ahead, put your hand up. If you ever watched Doomsday Prepper, it was on for four seasons. There's like 56 different episodes. 
It's just a bunch of people that are going, look, we, we think there's a doomsday reality coming. We're going to be prepared for it. So they're preparing for natural disasters, nuclear war, uh, financial collapse, hostile takeovers of governments and nations, and even food shortages. And one of the things on the doomsday prepper show is that they encourage every single person, right, and even every person in a family to have what they call a bug out bag, okay, or a go bag. Now, if you have a bug out bag or a go bag for any kind of doomsday scenario or just even a medical scenario, it's okay, all right? There's nothing wrong with it, all right? I don't mind it at all. My wife even has told me, like, honey, you think we should have some, like, extra water around the house or some extra food around the house? I go, man, we could always use extra food around the house. So <laughs> I'm not sure that that's the meaning she was going after, but I was like, if you can, pick up some, like, you know, hostess cupcakes or something like that. Um, but anyways, I had a staff member. I said, look, I, I need a doomsday prepper bag. I want you to think about me. And what I would need if I was going to go out and survive for the next few days because of some big natural disaster that took place, and you wanted me to survive so that I could come back and still be the lead pastor. That was the key phrase, by the way. You want me to survive to come back. Put in the bag what it would allow me to, you know, what I need to survive. And so this are, these are some of the things that they put, they put in the bag. Um, a fishing rod, okay, it's beautiful. No reel, no line. I'm like, good luck, Jeff. <laughs> All right, that's, that's awesome. Appreciate that. Some duck calls. I don't even know how to work these things. And there's no gun in there. So thank you. <laughs> like, quack them in and then dive on the duck? It's a whole new thing. They, they gave me one meal. One meal. I hope you like it. It's biscuits and gravy. Right? Dried up from 1982 or something like this. I got matches. Okay, so watch out. All right, I can, I can do some serious stuff. A flashlight, these are the kind of things, you know, that you might, you like, maybe some of you guys even have a flashlight next to your bed in case, in case like the power goes out in the middle of the night, right? A storm comes. Anybody you guys have a flashlight next to your bed? How many of you guys don't have that? You're, you're more, you live more in the modern day. You've got a, a cell phone that has a flashlight on it. Come on, somebody, right? All right, everyone that still has a flashlight, wake up. You got like another one on your phone. Okay, so I got, I got one of these things, which by the way, you can beat somebody with the end of this thing. This thing's heavy. Um, I, got some, I got other things in here. Oh, yeah, here we go. This is what I, I thought this was very kind. I got one can of Diet Mountain Dew, all right? So you, use it sparingly um, if you're going to survive for three days. And um, last but not least, I thought this was very nice of them. They gave me the full DVD set of The King of Queens. And... Um, I thought that, that's definitely going to help me, uh, especially, you know, at the Holiday Inn Express that I'm going to be living in for the next three days uh, to survive whatever it is that I have to go out and survive. Well, thankfully, I don't have to do that because I could take all of this. I'm MacGyver-like, right? I could take all of that and show them up, get a really nice hotel. A bag. And a lot of us have been thinking maybe recently with what's going on in the world should I be prepared for something that is out of my control? I think some of you guys have woke up maybe to that idea with this whole COVID-19 pandemic. Others of you are, you know, maybe kind of looking around and going, what in the world? What, what, what is this world coming to when you're looking at famines and you're looking at devastating earthquakes that are happening all over the place? And some of you have that as your example. Others of you are going, man, there's wars and there's threats of wars, and man, that's causing me to kind of wonder to myself, like, what do I need to be prepared for? Um, there's droughts that are happening. There are financial crises. 
Some of you are looking at the financial crisis that's happening around our world, and you're, you're looking at the inflation that is, you know, you know, doomed to come, and you're thinking to yourself, like, what do I need to do? How prepared do I need to be? In the end, in the end, I'm not really that concerned about what you do when it comes to all those things. I love you. I care about you. But you're not going to find me standing in front of you, helping you try to prepare like, you know, we did way back, you know, right before uh, 2000 and 1999, you know, when some of you guys weren't even born and, you know, churches were all worried and pastors were trying to help their congregation prepare for some Y2K thing. Like, you're not going to find me doing that. I'm not fretting over what is going to happen on this, on this world. I want to stay focused on what Jesus is telling me to stay focused on. This is what Jesus would say in the midst of this time in which we're living in because he said these words in John 16. He goes, here on earth, you're going to have many trials and sorrows. Some of your translations say this, here on earth, you're going to have troubles. There are going to be natural disasters. There are going to be pandemics. There are going to be earthquakes, droughts, wars, threats of that, all of these types of things, financial collapse. On this earth, you will have trouble. But watch this. But take heart, because I've overcome the world. There's no reason. Jesus is basically saying this. In the day and age in which you and me live, there's no reason to operate by fear. I've already overcome the world. He basically says to us this type of heart because it's laced throughout Scripture. He goes, look, treat this world as if you're a stranger in it, living in a strange land. This is not your home. Guys, when we, when we flip the switch... Right? And you start looking at your life that way. And you start saying, look, I'm just a stranger living in a strange land. This world is not my home. It's amazing how the worries, the sorrows, the struggles, the troubles of this world, they tend to take on a different view of life. Jesus would encourage us, hey, look, don't store up your treasure here on earth like we're, we're rust and moth and people can decay it and steal it and destroy it. Store up your treasure in heaven. Guys, that's the kind of leader I want to be. I'm a, I want to be a guy that's storing up my treasure in heaven. You know what that means? It means this. I'm not freaked out about a presidential election coming up this year like some of you are. Because my treasure isn't on this earth. I know this. I'm going to do my part. I'm going to vote. I'm going to encourage every single one of you to vote. But in the end, God's the one who puts leaders who our leaders are supposed to be. And in the end, God will give us what we deserve and what we need. And it may not be what you think is right. But it'll be what, what it is right based on God's eyes. Because I'm not storing up my treasure here. My treasure isn't in people, in governments, in political parties. My treasure is in the hope of Jesus Christ. And Jesus would encourage us and he would say this because it says it right in his word. Keep your eye on the prize. Don't get your eye on all these things that get you worried and fret and, you know, start to like make poor decisions. But guys, we have to be preparing for a doomsday that the Bible talks about. The Bible talks about a day of reckoning that's going to come. And if there's any day I want to help prepare you for, it's the day when this world comes to an end. It's the day when Jesus comes back for his church. That's the doomsday, if I can put it that way, that I want to help prepare you for. I want to encourage you to be prepared for. I want to help you be prepared in such a way that you can help others be prepared. The Bible talks about the end of times, the end of this world. It talks about it in multiple different places, from multiple different angles, from the Old Testament to the last words of the New Testament, and laced in between by multiple different people. Second Peter is one. 
place that I want to take you. Now, the apostle Peter, he wrote this in chapter 3. He goes, but the day of the Lord will come as unexpectedly as a thief. Then the heavens will pass away with a terrible noise, and the very elements themselves will disappear in fire, and the earth and everything on it will be found to deserve, uh, to deserve judgment. It's a crazy picture of this world that we stand on, this air that we breathe, everything that we call normal coming to a screeching halt, and one day ending. Because I'm telling you, one day, everything that you call normal right now will no longer be here. And it's speeding up quicker and quicker to the end of days. People have been asking me quite a bit recently, Pastor, are we living in the end times? And my short answer to that is yes. Yes, we are. But I also know what they're really asking me. They're asking me this, Pastor, are we living in the last minutes of the last days? And I would say to you, 100% assuredly, yes. Yes, we are. I'm saying that based on study, study of God's word, and looking back in history at a timeline that lines perfectly with God's word up to this very moment in time in which you and me stand here. And I would say to you with confidence that, yes, we're living in the last minutes of the last days, but we've been here for quite a while. This is not new. It's not because of COVID. It's not because of, you know, wars and threats of wars happening around on the planet. It it, it all started the last minutes of the last days, I believe, back on May 14th, 1948. Because on that particular day, the nation of Israel was once again established as a nation after being desolate for 2,000 years. For 2,000 years, there was no nation. For 2,000 years, God's people roamed the earth and were homeless in other nations. But on that particular day, there was a prophetic word that was from the Old Testament that was fulfilled, and a nation was birthed in a day as the British gave up their control of, of that territory so that the nation of Israel could come alive in one day, May 14, 1948. The Isaiah the prophet in the Old Testament, he said it this way, he goes, has a nation ever been born in a single day? Has a country ever come forth in a mere moment? But by the time Jerusalem's birth pains begin, her children will be born. Speaking of this particular day that was to come, and on that moment, there was a shattering and a splattering of God's presence that said this, look, the time clock, I'm moving the hands on the time clock. If you can, say it this way, I'm moving the hands to 100 seconds. But it was God's time clock, not man's time clock. God was going, look, this is a significant moment that you and me must pay attention to. And when we forget about it, then you forget about God's word and God's timeline for the end days in which you and me live. Jesus went on to give us more insight about it in Matthew chapter 24. Look at what he said. He said in verse 32, he goes, now, now learn a lesson from the fig tree, period, before we keep going. You need to know this, that the fig tree is a symbolic picture of the nation of Israel. And Jesus is using the fig tree to drive home a point of something that was to come in the future as the entire chapter is Jesus really kind of talking about the whole ending of this thing. Jesus talking about the signs of the times that are to come. And he says this, look, I want you to learn a lesson from the fig tree from the nation of Israel. When its branches bud, when all of a sudden it comes alive, Because at that time, they wouldn't have understood that because it was alive at that time. So when its branches bud and its leaves begin to sprout, you know that summer is near. Then he says this, in the same way, when you see these these things, you can know that his return, the return of Jesus, is very near. 
It's right at the door. Jesus is basically saying this. When you see the nation of Israel become what it is today, wake up. Wake up because the return of Jesus is near. Is near. Right at the door. He goes, I tell you the truth, this generation will not pass. The generation that sees that happen will not pass from the scene until all these things take place. Then he went on. He goes, however... No one knows the day or the hour when these things will happen. Not even the angels in heaven, nor do I, Jesus is saying. Only the Father knows. Guys, it's a, it's a powerful picture of God saying, look, wake up, church. You're in the end of days. You're in the last seconds of the last minutes of the last of time. He goes, wake up, because what you're seeing happen is you're seeing Scripture being fulfilled. But that's not all of it. There's tons more. Ever since that date in 48, we've been seeing the decay of biblical principles on our planet in historic fashions. I remember my parents, my parents, you know, they went to school, like some of you that are maybe my parents' age, went to school and you had primarily Christian teachers who had biblical values and would even bring biblical principles into the classroom. But on June 25th, 1962, in America, the United States Supreme Court decided in the Engel versus Vitale case that prayer in school violated the First Amendment and constituted an establishment of religion. And so in 1962, we ripped prayer right out of school. The very next year, in 1963, you could see the writing on the wall, the Supreme Court disallowed daily Bible reading in the, um, in the Abington School District case versus Shemp. And in two years, back to back, in these two landmark cases, we made, a, we made a drastic statement in our nation that we will no longer be a biblically moral nation. We will be a humanistic nation. We will seek after our sinful pleasure, not after Christ-centered pleasure. Like, that was the massive statement that we made that day, and the new normal of our nation began to change. And then speed ahead to 1980. In 1980, the Supreme Court ruled in the Stone versus Graham case, that the state of Kentucky's law requiring the Ten Commandments to be posted in every public school classroom was violating the First Amendment. And in 1980, not only did we rip prayer out of school and Bible reading out of school, but we ripped the Ten Commandments right off the walls of our school. Our country has made a bold and profound statement that we've rejected Christ, we've rejected a biblically-centered nation, and now we live in a postmodern post-Christian, and post-Bible culture. And everything that you and me know about the Bible and about the love of Christ is under an attack today. The Bible is increasingly being referred to as hate speech. Atheism is on the increase dramatically. Year after year as surveys go out, dramatically increasing. Atheism used to hide in the shadows of our nation. Now it's out in the forefront of our nation. Anarchy has saturated the hearts of many. And it's pouring out even onto our streets as you and me go to sleep at night with the news on. We're watching it happen. The largest religious group in our nation. The largest religious group in our nation refers to themselves as the nuns. And I'm not talking about the Catholic nuns. We're talking about the N-O-N-E, nuns. Somewhere around a quarter of our nation, take a look at this, about a, about a quarter, 23% of Americans identify themselves as none. Like I have no religious affiliation at all. No, I don't believe in God. No, I don't need to know anything about God. No, there's no importance to it. None, none whatsoever. And then you look at the 20-somethings, the right? The millennials that are coming up. And what do you got? 34 to 36% of them are declaring we are part of the nuns when it comes to religion. So what is it telling us trend-wise? 
It's telling us that our nation is on a trajectory, anti-Christ, going away from the will of God and from a biblical you know, perspective and moral of, of the way that we live and we make decisions. This comes to equal somewhere around 55.8 million people today that if Jesus Christ were to come back today, which by the way, I believe he could, there's nothing stopping Jesus from coming back other than the compassionate heart of a loving father who's waiting, going, I want humanity to know me. I want 55.8 million people who live in America right now who are saying, no, there is no Jesus and there is no reason why I should follow him. He's waiting for those and so many other millions of others who have rejected him, who are blinded by false religion. The only reason why Jesus hasn't come back right, net, right yet is because the heart of the father is gracious towards humanity. And that's where he wants our heart to be. So 58 years ago, we started drifting from God and from his word. And it's only been picking up steam. And there's so many more cases, court cases that I could go to. So many more decisions that I could go to that just show and prove the fact that we have put God on the back shelf. Jesus told us about all of this, though. He said in Matthew chapter 24, there's, there's signs, and I want you to watch for the signs of the times. Even though I can't tell you because I don't even know when the end will come. He goes, but you can know this. Watch for the signs of the times. And Jesus said to watch for things like this. That there will be many false prophets. Guys, we live in a time right now. You know how easy it is to listen to the false prophet? It's as easy as this. YouTube.com. It's as easy as going onto the internet. And many of you... And I don't mean this in a negative way, okay? Please don't take it this way. Many of you are listening to multiple different preachers and you're feeding your itching ear what your itching ear wants to hear. And some of you are feeding your ear with the words of a false prophet and you don't even know it. Because of the world that we live in, because how quickly you can get to whatever you want to get to, be careful. Yeah, feed yourself with God's word. Let's use this thing called the internet for its best. Let's use it to evangelize. Let's use it to feed ourselves. There's so many resources out there to grow in your faith with God. But be careful because Jesus says in the time in which the end is, there'll be many false prophets. It's so easy to be a false prophet today. He goes, look, watch out for this. There's going to be wars and threats of wars. You know how many borders are being battled over right now? You know how many borders and countries are threatening one another? And as the, this whole nuclear you know, advancement happens in certain nations, how many more threats there are and how destructive it is? The doomsday clock, 100 seconds. Yes, Jesus, we see that there are wars and there are incredible threats like never before on planet Earth right now. Jesus said, watch for that. He goes, watch for famines and earthquakes that are happening in many parts of the world, places where you've never seen them before. Yeah, Jesus, we see it, right? We're recognizing it. We're not just going to fall asleep to these details. We're seeing this. We're understanding that you're going, look, this is when the end is near. Be ready. He goes, look, in the end, there'll be persecution. Man, we're seeing persecution around our, our world like we've never seen before against Christianity. Jesus also said these words. He goes, look, watch, because the end of times, Christianity will be hated. Christianity is being hated, even in our nation today. And I'm not talking about what happened in 1962, 63, and 1980, and so on and so forth. I'm talking about right now, in the year 2020, evil is being called good, and good is being called evil. That's what's happening right before our eyes. Christianity is being hated. And he said this, he goes, watch for this in the end days. Christians will turn from their faith. 
Guys, right now as a pastor, it breaks my heart to tell you that there are people never coming back to your churches since the COVID-19. They are never walking back through the doors. There are you that are coming back, but there are others that are never coming back. And I'm not talking about they're going to somebody else's church. They're never going to walk back through the doors. We live in a time people are hungry for what the pleasures of themselves. They're hungry to please self. And this was a great excuse to disengage and to never come back. And we're going to see more and more and more of it. Jesus said, watch for that. I'm watching. I'm, I'm seeing it. And it, it rips my heart away. Jesus said, look, look for when sin is rampant everywhere. Definitely is. Then he said these words, watch for the end of times because the love of many will grow cold. It sickens me to say that we've seen over the last number of decades fathers depart from their homes and abandon their families and abandon their children. It sickens me to say that. But I'm doubly sick because I'm hearing more and more about moms abandoning their homes and abandoning their children and walking away. We live in a time where the love of many is growing cold. We live in a time where the love and the respect of authority is growing cold. That's the time we live in. Do you see the signs of the times? These signs are all around us, guys. They're all around us. And here's the danger. The danger of it, if everything that I just mentioned, you could have easily given me an example of every single one of them. If I just would have given you the title, you could have given me an example. The danger of that is this. We could easily interpret the times in which we live in as just the new normal. And I want to wake you up as a church right now and just tell you, the times we're living in is not just the new normal. It's not anymore. It's the signs that Jesus is coming back. Don't just endure the, the culture and society in which we live in, let it be a wake-up call for you to recognize that Jesus is coming back. So I say to the royal family, you know, missionaries that are going out, even in North Platte right now, you're sitting there and you're getting ready to be commissioned. I'm telling you, it's urgent that the next generation hears the good news of Jesus Christ. It's vital that they hear it. You're not just going out to do a camp. You're not just going out to make a safe place for a week. Yeah, I get it. That's the byproduct but what will change their life is not just a week of away. What will change their life is hearing the good news of Jesus Christ, feeling the love and the embrace of Christ. And I say that to you in North Platte who are getting ready to go out. Remember the guy who used to stand on the street corner, right? You saw them on a picture or you drove by him in a big city someplace and he was holding up the sign. He was like, repent for the end is near. And you kind of looked at him like, man, he's crazy. That guy's not crazy. He always might be. But the message isn't crazy. I remember my grandparents, my grandparents' generation. They're, they're, not, even, they're not even alive anymore. I mean, I'll tell you what. The fear, you want the fear of the Lord instilled within you as like a little kid and you're at church with your grandparents? Like, they're going to just tell you, Jesus could come back any minute, Jeff. You better not sin. And then you're, you're like, you're at home in the quietness of your own bed and you're just repenting to God. And you do something you're not supposed to do, and you hear the voice of your grandmother, right? She's like right there. You better not do it, Jeff. She sounded a little bit like a Muppet, I know, but I don't quite get all that. But I mean, that was the reality, guys. My grandparents' generation, I mean, they, they were devoted, and they really did believe Jesus could come back at any moment. My parents' generation, which some of you are in that, 
They believed that Jesus could come back at any moment, but they just didn't talk about it as much. But you heard it. My generation, we don't even talk about it. It's a great deception. You've watched it slide. We don't even talk about it until recently. If there's one good thing that comes out of the COVID-19 and its impact on the church, one good thing that's going to come out of it is going to be this. You're going to hear more pastors talking about Jesus is coming back. This message is revived. It's not because people are asking questions. It's because all across the nation, surveys are being done right now, surveying pastors, asking them about the urgency of the end times. And overwhelmingly, overwhelmingly, the statistics are through the roof of pastors that are going, I sense that there is a change in the atmosphere. And I pray that more pastors will, in an encouraging way, lay the truth out, even though it steps on people's toes, even though it's a little hard to hear, that we will come back to the roots of our Christianity, and once again, we will say, church, it's time to wake up. It's time to get yourself ready. It's not time to mess around anymore. This is exactly what Jesus did. After Jesus said, look, watch for the signs of the times. They're not very encouraging. He goes, but let me just tell you this. It's very important that you make sure that you get yourself ready. That's what he started chapter 25 with. And this was what he said. This is the example that Jesus gave when he was talking about, look, after all these signs and everything, here's what you need to do. Here's the urgency of how important it is that you are ready when I come back. He said this. He said that the kingdom of heaven will be like ten bridesmaids who took their lamps and they went to meet the, the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish, five were wise. Right? We want to be part of the wise ones. Amen? Uh, five who were foolish didn't take enough oil um, you know, for their lamps, but the other five, you know, were wise enough to take along uh, extra oil. Good for them. When the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and they fell asleep. It's as if we've been living in this period of time where there's been this delay, and so we've been happy to live for ourselves, happy to kind of do our thing, excited to do our thing. You know, there's money flowing, there's success flowing, there's happiness flowing. Let's just do our thing. I'm just telling you, the delay in Jesus coming is not that he's not going to come. He is going to come. And Jesus says this, it's important that you be wise and that you be ready. He goes, at midnight, they were aroused by a shout. Look, the bridegroom's coming. Come out and meet him. All the bridesmaids, they woke up, right? They got up and they prepared their lamps. The five foolish ones asked the others, hey, please give us some oil. Give us some of your oil because our lamps, they're going out. But the, but the others replied, look, we don't have enough for all of us. Go to the shop and buy some for yourself. I just want you to know something today. It's a one-for-one one exchange when it comes to faith. You don't get to walk into heaven with Christ because your grandmother was a saint. And your children aren't going to have a relationship with God because you have faith. It's a one-for-one. It's you have to have faith for yourself, and there's nothing I can do. You can't ride into heaven on my coattails as your pastor. In fact, I want you to get off my coattails, and I want you to build your own relationship with Christ. It's the only way that you are going to ever spend eternity with Christ. It's a one-for-one exchange. But while they were gone to buy the oil, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready, they went in with him to the marriage feast, and the door was locked. Not just shut, it was locked. Later, when the other five bridesmaids returned, they stood outside calling, Lord, Lord, open the door for us. But he called back, believe me, I don't even know you. 
So you too must keep watch. Keep watch of what? He's like, look, keep watch of everything I told you in chapter 24. Keep watch, for you do not know the day or the hour of my return. You and me were put on this earth for such a time as this. It's no accident that you're here. It's no accident. Like, there might be some other time periods that you would have loved to live in. But I'm going to tell you right now, I think one of the most exciting times to ever be alive is to be alive right now. To be seeing prophecy being fulfilled right before our very eyes. Guys, we were not given all these signs by Jesus to stir up fear inside of our hearts. We were given all these signs to stir up hope. Because Jesus is coming back. And as your pastor, I want you to be ready. I don't just want you to be ready. I want you to be ready to help others be ready. That's why you're going to Royal Family. I want you to be ready so that you can help others be ready. There's 55.8 million people right now that are just in one particular category that need to hear the good news of Jesus and need to see it lived out. They don't need somebody to preach to them. You know, verbally, they need somebody to live it out physically until you've earned the right to be heard. And then you need to know what to say and when to say it. Like, I don't want you to live in fear and I don't want you to be ignorant about, you know, the details of Jesus coming back. But I do want you to be an overcomer of this world, and I want you to live an all-in type of faith before Christ. So that's why we're doing Doomsday Prepper. Doomsday Prepper is going to focus in on one scripture, and we're going to dissect this scripture over the next three weeks. Revelation chapter 12, verse 11 says, this is how believers in the end days, this is how they overcame the enemy. They overcame the sorrows. They overcame the troubles. They overcame the trials. He says, they will overcome him, the enemy, by the blood of the lamb, number one, and by the word of the testimony, number two, and by living their lives in such a way that they did not love their lives even unto death, number three. And over these next three weeks, I plan on breaking down each of those one in sequential order so that you and me can truly understand what does God's word say about us in the day and age in which we live? How will we overcome the fears, the worries? potential persecution, the hatred of Christianity that continues to grow? How will we be ready for Jesus to return? And how can we help others be ready? I don't want you just to understand it. I, w- I want you to surrender to it, right? I don't want you just to get it. I want you to be able to give it as well. And that's where we're going to go. Because I personally believe after all of my study and everything I've read from a host of other you know, experts in the field that all we are are a group of believers waiting for one more piece of prophecy to be fulfilled, and that's this, Jesus coming back for his church. We're standing at the doorstep of the return of Christ. And so today, one simple word I ask, are you ready? I mean, seriously, are you ready? You've gone to church all of your life. You've got it up here. But are you ready? You're going to give of yourself to a bunch of kids all week long, sacrificially, and I praise you for that. Right? But are you ready? I can drill you with questions and you can give me the right answers, but are you ready? Is there an urgency in your heart? Is there a passion in your heart? Or do you find this kind of numbing sensation that comes over you when I ask, are you ready, because of the, the pleasures and the love of this world? You love God, but you just don't want to give up certain things you got your hands wrapped around. Are you ready? Like the question today as we kick off this series is that, 
And it's that important. Are you ready? Because church, I'm just going to be brutally honest with you and tell you, there's no joking around. Jesus could come back any moment. Are you ready? It's only the grace of God that's extending the return of Christ. That is it. Are you ready? Stop playing games. Stop messing around. Let's go all in. Let's go in not just with one foot. Let's go in with both. Let's go in with hands open like this, going everything I have, everything you know, you've ever blessed me with is yours. I'm ready. Use me. Let's go. Let's go to, let's go to the Father with that attitude. Guys, go to the mission field with that attitude. You think you're going to give? <laughs> Big surprise is coming. Who's been there 11 years in a row? Or 11 years? Who's been 11 times? You know right now, you think you go to give, but you receive way more than you give. You know that. That's what everybody's getting ready to be you know, introduced to that's never been before. So let's come before Jesus today, giving him everything we know how to give, surrendering everything. And I guarantee you, he's going to pour back into your life more than you could ever give to him. Why don't you stand with me and let's pray. Lord, today, although we titled this series Doomsday Prepper, we know that the future, the future is less about the doom, it's more about the hope. It's more about that blessed hope that you are coming for your church. It doesn't mean that we aren't going to walk through troubles. We just have to hang on to the attitude that you've already overcome the world. And so, Lord, today, today we surrender our lives to you again, fresh and new. But we turn our hands up to you symbolically, and we just basically say, God, everything I have is yours. I open up my heart symbolically to you, and I say, God, have free reign in me. The places where I've tried to keep you from because, you know, I've been, uh, felt shame or guilt. Go walk in those places. Heal me. I thought process of the rebellion I've been trying to hang on to. Lord, I let go of it. I just let you have free reign of my heart and my mind and my soul. Rule me in these areas. Rule my thoughts. Rule my motives. Rule my desires. Lord, I give you myself. Give you everything I know how to give. Teach me how to give more. Teach me how to surrender more, Jesus. I, I want to be ready for your return. But more importantly, I want to help others be ready for your return. I don't want to squander the truth that I know. I want to lovingly give it away. You give me grace to give your truth away. Jesus, have your way in me. Have your way in me, God. I want to stand before you ready and excited, eager for your return. And it's with that attitude that we worship you today. As king, as our Lord, and as our leader. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen.